Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart, and thanks for being here. Our guest is James Albritton, who is the General Director and Artistic Director of Piedmont Opera, which is based in Winston-Salem. And like other organizations, uh, the arrival of the coronavirus in February and March brought business as usual to a halt for Piedmont Opera. So they had to uh, quickly regroup, change directions, just like a lot of us. And uh, James, it's gonna, I, I want to ask you how you are doing right now. <laughs> uh, right now we're doing okay. Uh, we've we have we started pivoting early on, and so now pivoting is a way of life for us. So we're we're actually doing okay. That's good. Well, you had something um, innovative really come out of this. You have started a daily opera talk uh, segment <laughs> on Facebook, right? You're doing this every day. Yes. Well, tell yes, us about every, that. Every every day, every weekday, I should say. <laughs> I take one more day off than God. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, the Met has been giving us, we're now in week, I believe, 15 of the Met uh, every evening uh, broadcast over the Met player or on their website, uh, which has been a very generous and a very great thing. And uh, in the second week, or mind you, this is week 15, week two, um, it was an all Wagner week. And the second half of the week was devoted to the ring cycle. And I thought to myself, jeepers, just, I mean, we're in week two of this and we're all shut up in our houses now because this was probably late March, beginning of April. And, and I thought, what can, what can, I mean, the ring cycle? So a friend of mine uh, who is a frequent director here with Piedmont Opera, Steve Lacoste, I knew that he was teaching a, a course on Wagner at the school that also had just been frozen. And so I knew the information was kind of at his fingertips. And I said, Steve, would you mind coming over this week and just doing, we'll do a Facebook live event at noon to help everybody get through the ring cycle and just give them a few, you know, talk to them about what's happening and things like that. So we got to that Friday and the numbers on Facebook were, were kind of high and, and Steve would do watch parties on his own personal Facebook and all kinds of alums and friends and people from all over the country were popping in. So on Friday, I asked him, I said, uh, tell the people if they find this interesting or not. And if they do, we'll keep it up. Never me thinking it would go 15 weeks. And um, so overwhelmingly through Facebook, through uh, info at PiedmontOpera.org, we got a lot of people responding saying, please, please continue. So ever since then, uh, Monday through Friday at noon, we do somewhere between a half an hour and an hour talk uh, preparing everybody for the opera that's playing that evening. And um, it's, it's grown and expanded in all sorts of interesting ways. Um, the week that he did the Tudor trilogy, the three uh, Donizetti operas about uh, Anna Bolena, Maria Stuarda, and Roberto Devere, which was, of course, the end of Elizabeth's reign. We had just done uh, Maria Stuarda here at Piedmont Opera, and through a local bookstore here, Bookmarks, they had introduced us to Margaret George, who's a New York Times bestselling author, and she came and gave a talk about Mary, so I sent her an email said, Margaret, you want to be my guest on this opera talk project that we're doing? And she said, oh my gosh, it sounds like so much fun. So for three days, we had, you know, New York Times selling author Margaret George talking over the Tudor trilogy with us. We're always six degrees of separation from somebody, right? So every now and again, <laughs> I 
breeze out there and and we have some interesting conversations well that's so that's really cool and um from what you can tell people from all over the country are 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 tuning in checking you out it's it's i don't i don't do facebook myself so I don't see it like my colleague Steve does, but I talked to Meredith uh, Apinitis, who is our marketing director, and she also sort of, she's the cameraman, if you will. Uh, and she gives me the stats on it every week, and she can see on the Facebook feed where people are coming from. And it's quite remarkable. Today, Steve did uh, a talk about Samson and Delilah, which will be on this evening. And he he watches his phone and calls people out as they come. And there was somebody from Florida and there was somebody from Colorado. And so it's, <laughs> it's really interesting how this is. I mean, it's not huge. But for an opera company in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, we, we, you know, we've had as many, it's, it's Facebook Live. So we go live at noon. But then we also put the program up on our Facebook page. And we have had as many as 3,200 people view some of them. So would you have even thought to do this if it weren't for the... Never. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fascinating <laughs> thing about this is the deeper we get into it. I said to Meredith the other day, give me the numbers on the noon talk because I can't imagine it's much above 20 any longer. So, you know, if we're, if we're that low, then let's shift out of it. Nope, we're still over three or 400 on average. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So, you know, I mean, three or 400 is a Tuesday night audience for us. Mm -hmm. So those numbers are, are very meaningful to us. And um, so Mr. Gelb gave us week 15. We'll see how far he takes us into it. But we're sort of stopping and thinking, okay, uh, this is one of the gifts, that the good gifts that COVID-19 may have given us. And how are we gonna twist this into something long-term? Because there's obviously an audience out there. I mean, the other success story about this is when we did, uh, when uh, uh, Giving Tuesday Now happened, I think that was in April. Mm -hmm. um, we learned about it four or five days beforehand. And so we just put it out on our noon Facebook Live program. We sent out an e-blast. We put it out on Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. And Tuesday, the day of, we raised uh, over $10,000. And we've done the, the November, December Giving Tuesday now before, but we've never raised that much money in, in one day like that. So I know, I know, again, this is Piedmont Opera in Winston-Salem. $10,000 is not a big number for a lot of people. But for us, that was quite a number. And so there's a there's a a need there's a viewership there's a something out there that really enjoys this and 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 wants to see it i'll i'll go a step further we got a box of brownies today in the mail from a, a fan of ours i'll take that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you do think you're going to try to to keep doing this or some incarnation of it going forward I, i'm i'm okay if it's not every day <laughs> I That's feel a lot. Like I'm studying for, it's a lot. I feel like I'm studying for my doctoral orals day after day after day. La yesterday, uh, the talk was uh, Dr. Atomic, uh, and I had seen parts of it once. So I had to do a lot of reading. I had to, uh, I watched the video ahead of time. Uh, I, I don't have a score, uh, so I do the best I can with what I have. Uh, I'm, I mean, I always, every time I do anything like this, I always think it's not about impressing people with your knowledge, but... Um, yeah, it'd be nice to have a score and actually know the opera. 
<laughs> well, you know, we're all tap dancing a little bit here <laughs> in this Ooh, new world. You. So, and how, what other things have you had to do to adapt? Um, I know you had a major fundraising event recently, didn't you? We did last Saturday night, yes. Um, so our biggest fundraiser of the year is something called the Magnolia Ball. It's been going on for over 40 years now. And we usually have 150, 200 people there. It's your average sort of fundraiser, silent auction, live auction, dinner, dancing, and we also do uh, some entertaining there. And that was scheduled for, uh, I believe it was May 16th. And uh, so once we got, we had to cancel our show. We were, we were in March to have produced Rogers and Hammerstein's King and I. Soon after that, the, the noon talks started. So that was keeping us busy. Uh, all the while refunding tickets, dealing with all that, all of the fallout from canceling a show, which is pretty massive, especially when it's one under um, copyright still. And then when we took a breath, we were maybe a week or two away from Magnolia Ball. What the heck are we going to do? And I said, let's try going virtual with it. Now, some other people had gone virtual, but basically they had just taken their silent auction items and put them online and you know, hope for the best. And I said, no, we're a performing arts organization. Let's do better than that. So our original idea, and this was when, you know, things have picked up a lot here in the last three or four weeks in terms of the numbers of infections. But, but before that, we had had the idea, okay, the magic number is you can only meet in groups of 10. So instead of having 150, 200 people in one central place, let's ask 10 or 20 people to host a dinner party for 10. And then we will meet with them virtually. We're very good friends with our neighbors uh, two doors down here, Calvary Moravian Church. And they have uh, live stream services every Sunday morning, so I knew they had the capabilities. So I reached out to my friends over there and I said, uh, would you consider loaning us your sanctuary and your live stream for an evening so we can try this fundraiser? And they were very gracious and immediately said, whatever we can do to help you guys, tell us. So we, we picked our families, we picked our hosts, we had it all set up, and then the numbers started getting higher and all of the hosts said, I'm a little concerned about having this gathering at my house. So our, our number of hosts fell down somewhat, but then we just decided let's open up the live stream. So we had nearly 100 people, and that's more than one person per live stream, uh, but we had, went out to nearly 100 households, houses, what, what have you, uh, with our live stream Saturday night, and we went two solid hours. We started at seven and we finished at nine. And I was very lucky. Frank Martin uh, is the, he not only is he a church member at the church, but he owns a communications company. And so it was double score there. Frank was an incredible help to us. So then I reached out to artists that we have. Uh, we went as far afield as Berlin, Germany, and we stayed as close as Kernersville. And we had people from all a variety of locations sending us five, 10 minute videos of them singing. So when we went live, we would talk. It was, it was kind of like the old Jerry Lewis telethons almost, <laughs> I hate to say it. So it was a real sort of eclectic mix of, of talent. We were fortunate at the end, uh, Ken Frizzell, a very well-known composer lives here in Winston. And so he and one of our artists did five of his folk song arrangements at the end of the evening and we we set a goal and we raised it so it was a Great. good night for all it's so interesting like all the different ways that organizations like yours and like ours are 
are being creative and adapting. It's, yes. it's heartening. <laughs> and it seems like people well, are you, responding, you know? Yes. I, you know, that was the thing we all said. And, and going forward, it's the same thing. Uh, the, the, the closer we got to it, the more everybody's stomachs were churning. And I just kept saying, at this moment in time, I mean, this is the Civic Opera Company here in Winston-Salem. We have lots of friends. We have lots of people that want to see us succeed. And success could mean hitting your financial goal, but success could also mean you pulled it off. And, and I think if we do anything at all, people are going to roll with us. And I think we did better, much better than anything at all. But the bottom line was, as long as you're out there trying to do something, people are going to roll with you. The worst thing you can do is wring your hands and say, we can't do anything and shut the door and pull the blinds. So that's a good segue to what are you thinking about the upcoming season? You know, traditionally you would get started in September, right? With a new season. And so what are you thinking right now? Exactly. I am thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, the big sadness is in January, we had unveiled this citywide Beethoven festival that we were looking forward to that sort of got started between uh, a member of the symphony board and myself around the thought of trying to produce Beethoven's Fidelio. And so we were all set to go on that for October and we've canceled it now because uh, above and beyond anything else, several said, can't you do it in concert? Well, in my theater, frankly, with social distancing, no. Uh, uh, The theater's on the corner of 4th and Marshall, and I'd have to stack the chorus up to 6th Street to get it done. So, no. And and more importantly, the the spirit of the thing, as I said to several people when we were discussing our disappointment, I said, look, the finale of the opera is... uh, uh, men who have been unjustly uh, locked up for years being freed from their prison and and rejoining their families in a joyous celebration at 12 feet distance. <laughs> it just doesn't, <laughs> social distancing and joyous family relations do not go hand in hand. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know if you've talked to any singers lately, but the, the singing seems to be the easiest way to spread the COVID virus. And so all of the doctors are recommending 12 foot social distancing while singing. So whatever, uh, <laughs> opera is a massive, massive challenge. As I said at the Magnolia Ball the other day, the arts I think are gonna be the last to truly recover from this. And within the arts, I think opera is gonna be the very last to recover because we're all singers. It's, it's gonna be a challenge. Um, I am I'm not committed to anything yet, but with that in mind, I'm trying to pivot over. I'm thinking of doing uh, Baroque opera because Baroque opera is mostly aria, 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 aria. Now, in good theatrical presentations, there's usually an, a couple of individuals on stage with you to, to sing that aria too. But I'm also thinking, particularly for our October presentation, it might be uh, a live stream with maybe a small amount of audience. We'll have to see what they allow us. I'm, I'm just kind of be, trying to be patient and wait to, to, to see if we get to a number that everybody sort of acknowledges is okay. Um, but that's, that's where my head is going because I think we could do something 
relatively interesting, uh, particularly if we're if we're live streaming, because you can you can actually have a conversation with somebody and not necessarily uh, you don't even have to be in the same space with them as long as you're aware that you're having that conversation with them. Yeah. Well, yeah, so many things to try and figure out. I mean, the logistics are just crazy now. But um... oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, we've also looked at the possibility uh, there are operas that are called salon operas that were written by some of the great voice teachers in the 1800s and written for piano accompaniment, period. But they're very lovely pieces, rich character uh, uh, studies. So uh, uh, there, there are options out there. It's not what we're used to. It ain't going to be Traviata. It ain't going to be Trovatore. It ain't going to be none of that. But that doesn't mean we still can't celebrate the art of the human voice in some capacity. How do you think those will be received since they are, you know, different and people aren't used to them? Yeah, it's a, it, that's a fascinating question. Uh, again, part of, part of my, my thought is, I, I, think our, I think your fans will appreciate the fact that you tried to do something. You tried to think outside the box. But as you've already said, we're all doing that. So when is that going to get old? So I think it's up to us to be as as dramatic and as innovative, even in the presentation of these things, as we can. So I, I'm 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 struggling with that. I'm not sure what the answer is there, um, because uh, as this particular not-for-profit, we we need to be out there. We need to to be in touch with our people, but there. The operas never pay for themselves, but but we have to approach covering our costs, particularly at this moment, uh, because it's 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 a challenge uh, financially. It, it, it as everybody is seeing, uh, our patrons have been very generous to us, but it's got it, it's not going to continue forever, and we have to be responsible to them too and say, all right, we're going to work to to also bring in some ticket income and see what we can accomplish. So I'm sure this is all pretty stressful um, for somebody in your position. So what do you do to, to you know, try and, and stay as positive and keep moving forward? I, I, I think you've said it. I mean, as long, you have to set, it's, it's a challenge right now to set goals because the goalpost seems to move every hour sometimes. Um, but nonetheless, you have to keep your eye on that largest goal. Uh, you have to keep your eye on, on, on your mission statement, frankly, which is you know, to produce in a dynamic way to engage the community and to further the art form. So in, in this COVID-19 moment, if you're actually getting people to tune in and watch something on a live stream because they're hungry enough for that level of entertainment. I think that goes a long way towards furthering the art form in a pandemic. Um, so I, I think the key is, you know, it's, it's like I said with the Magnolia Ball, what we actually did last Saturday night was like the seventh version of what we were doing. And rather than every time we stumbled, stopping and saying we can't do it, it's like you got to stumble and get back up on your feet and keep running. Uh, because you're, you're looking at, at a goal that's further down there. And if you keep your eye on that long-term goal rather than what's right in front of your face, 
yeah, it's it's nervous making. Yeah, it's concerning, but but you'll get there. And and again, part of the reason I I can afford to keep my eye focused on that big goal is because I have so many people behind me. I've got a wonderful board. Uh, my my patrons here have been remarkably remarkably generous, and I have the best staff, if I do say so myself, of any not for profit in the state of North Carolina. <laughs> I say well, that with all humility. <laughs> You sound very humble. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, well, I don't know that they would say they work for the best guy, but I know I have the best <laughs> There you go. Well, you know, I thank you so much for spending some time with us and uh, keep a cool head and good luck. And, um, and I hope that everything, you know, continues to sort of move forward as we get through this. I hope so too, Rachel, time. for all of us, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, thanks for what you're doing, and good luck. Thank you so very much. James Albritton is the General Director and Artistic Director of Piedmont Opera in Winston-Salem. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.